0: How did it happen that two brothers who went in the service a year apart ended up at the same place, assigned to the same crew? I mean that Frank, and, Frank went in, you went in. I went in in
1: 1943 and he went in in 1944, and I mean there were 20 million people in the, uh, fighting, and we end up at the same place at the same time uh and we were different jobs and everything so it that was stunning i mean i don't know i don't know if that could
0: happen again i don't know what the odds are particularly since we we were so close all our <laughs> <Yeah>. lives and, <laughs> I can't and, get rid of and whatever frank was my older brother whatever my older brother i always tagged along with my older brother and whatever he did i did so he joined the air force you know and uh so uh when I was in high school, um, I turned 18 years old on, in 1944, 43, and uh, I, I, I was afraid I was going to get drafted, so I thought I'd better join the Air Force with Frank, you know, so. Uh, I went in and signed up for the Air Force, assuming that they'd be big enough to let me graduate from high school, but they decided against that. They called me in on February 3rd, of 1944, and by October, I was in England, flying, <laughs> starting to fly missions, at least training missions at that time. So uh, our story, um, uh, we, we were both sent to the same uh, place for overseas assignment. He went through, what you went through, he went through pilot training. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll do
1: that. My partner, I I did the, almost the same thing. I was I was dra- uh, drafted while I was in high school. I had four months in 19, this is 1943. I mean that was a time we were still losing the war, and, all, and they needed people bad. So I got a draft notice while I was in high school. And I managed to get a deferment until June 1943, and I went, I went in what they call a cadet program that's to be a, a, a lieutenant in the Army. Uh, uh, so I went to a lot of schools. I went to the University of Vermont for uh, navigation, then I went to Colorado for the uh, armament and then I, I got in charge of the armament, and then we went to Texas for uh, practice. We used to, uh, to, to uh, have guys shoot, at, when you're shooting a, a gun, and it's you're moving, and the target is moving, it's entirely different thing. So what they did was, Put us on the back of a truck on a circle round, and then they had like ski things coming out. You never know which direction, so you're shooting. So you have to adjust. To, so it's it's uh, kind of tricky. It takes a while you know, to learn that. So that's well, was one of them. But then I uh, then I uh, <coughs> went. Let like I could say. To, we went. I, I started to. Uh, we took trains everywhere, and the odd thing about that is, no matter where you went, you never knew where you were going. <laughs> and I used you're to look to out you. the window and say, nah, where the heck, What state are we in? What?" The? It was just uh, 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 where to think nobody, no, you you did what you're told. Nobody told you why, where, or what. So that was, so like I say, so I went through all these and I was going to the last school for Bombardier. In, th- in three months, I would have been a lieutenant in the era of Bombardier. But somehow, they, at, we, we, I was going from uh, Vermont to Colorado at, uh, to Albuquerque to do this school, and we got to Kansas and they stopped the trade and turned it around. And they, somebody decided they weren't gonna have bombardiers anymore. They were only gonna have one guy on a lead plane, and then we'd all drop at the same time. So I got caught in that. So then I get back to assignment. So by that time, he was ready to go. So I had a lot of, Did you go I I had a, almost a year of military. What? But before he did, did you guys communicate? Um, did you sort of know where each other yeah.
0: were? Or? Did we communicate where we were. Yeah. We did, did well, you... we wrote back and forth somewhat, but uh, not much. You know, our teeny young people are—they don't.
1: Well, well. See, you write. could. That was another thing. You, you couldn't write. Uh, everything that you wrote was censored. So, I had a sub officer went through, and they had what they called V mails. They were. Plastic that you could put a whole letter on a plastic like this, so it uh, didn't Well, anyway, elect- we
0: got uh, we ended up together at uh, uh, at New York, uh, uh, a center for going overseas, and we, to our surprise, we ended up on the same crew, and they asked us if we wanted to be on the same crew. If that was okay with us, and we decided that it would be better if we weren't in the same crew, that we take our chances alone. So uh, I was transferred off of his crew onto another crew uh, where I became the nose gunner. And um, my, we, 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 got to, uh, we got to England um, at Horsham St. Faith uh, in October. And uh, we flew uh, some training missions and then on December 11th was my first mission over Germany. We flew to Hanau, and we bombed the railroad yards uh, right outside of Frankfurt. Uh, I think your first mission was a little later uh, in December. And then uh, that was during the Battle of the Bulge, if you remember, where the Germans uh, made a big incentive uh, to, to push the Americans back and, and then. It was a bad winter, and there was very bad weather, and so the Germans took advantage of the bad weather and the fact that from about the 11th of December until Christmas, we couldn't fly because it was just uh, the weather was too bad. A whole Europe was socked in, and that's when the Germans made all their push uh, on in the matter of the bulge. And so on, on December 24th, um, we started to fly again. And, and um, we, we both were scheduled to fly, but um, something was wrong with our plane and we got halfway across the channel and had to come back. But Frank flew that mission. And then I flew, uh, I flew the first, the second, and the third of January every day, it was those three days. And Frank was flying missions in between. And then on January 17th was my next mission. And if I remember correctly, Frank was not at the base. He had gone on a mission the day before. And lots of times when the fields are socked over, they land in other areas of England or on the French coast. We landed in Scotland. Yeah. In Scotland. And so he had done that the day before he had landed in Scotland, so when I took off for a mission the next day, he wasn't at the base. And um, then we, um, we flew that mission to Harbor, uh, uh, which is right outside. It was an oil refinery. It was a time when uh, Germany uh, was, was running low on oil. The Polestri oil raids destroyed that. And so we were going after oil refineries, so that they couldn't fly their airplanes. You know. And um, so we bombed that. And uh, it was um, we were over the target about noon. And the flak was very, very heavy. And all of a sudden, the plane lurched, and we knew we were hit pretty bad. And uh, we knocked out our uh, all our communications and our. Um, our, our power um, uh, to the turrets and things and uh, it, it, we had a feather uh, two engines two of the four engines uh, were out and, and gasoline was pouring from the from the gas lines into the airplane
1: how did you feel it
0: how did I feel mm-hmm. scared <laughs> 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 um, <coughs> I felt... Well, uh, you know, when you're a young person, you don't think anything's going to happen to you. you. I thought, I thought, well, we've we got a lot of trouble, but you know, we're going to, we'll get through this, and uh, that's You always have a very optimistic attitude when you're young because you don't think you can die, you know. Um, and so, um, uh, I was in the nose turret. Uh, I should say that just backing up just a little bit. We went on the bomb run, and as I said, the flak was fierce. I mean, it was like they talk about how you can get out and walk. <laughs> the That's the way it was. It was just solid. Every time, every time an anti-aircraft shell bursts, all this flak is spread out. And we're flying. I'm in the nose turret. We're flying directly into this flak. And you can tell how the how the gunners are are locating you, a bomb shell, you know, a burst down here, a burst over here, a burst over here, and all of a sudden, is a burst right out in front of you. So I'm sitting in the turret, and I say, Hey, can't you turn? You know, can't you turn right, left? Can't you do something? You know, don't fly into that stuff. You know, but it gets so thick that the the smoke is just coming across your turret. You know, and you just got to keep going, and then. Um, it was my job, uh, late in the war they eliminated bombardiers on the planes and had only one bombardier in the lead plane and we dropped, the other planes dropped their, dropped their uh, bombs on, on the lead plane. So in my turret I had a toggle switch to drop the bombs. So when, not only was I, you ask how I felt, you don't have time to feel anything. You know, I'm concentrating on when they drop those bombs. I got to drop my bombs. If I don't drop my bombs at the right time, you know, I'm dropping it on on a village, or you know. So I am concentrating on on just my job, and that's what everybody's doing. They're concentrating on their job, and uh, so uh, just as I said, I drop. I, I the bombs came out. I flicked the switch. And I, the bombs had no, lever, no No, sooner left and the, it's when the, we were hit, we, we launched. And I, I, might, I might add that this is a little premature maybe, but after we crashed in Sweden, we found out that there was a, li- a, a live shell stuck in our gas tank that had not exploded. And I think, uh, what's the movie where they were making shells, <laughs> what's that movie they were making shells and uh, not filling them up? I think we got one of them, but anyway, that's, that's immaterial. Um, <clears throat> so we just were falling behind the formation, and uh, uh, we headed uh, uh, the, the uh, crew leader, or the, the pilot leader in the group uh, recommended we go uh, towards Sweden and try to at least get into Denmark, which was occupied. You, could, you get a better chance to escape if you land in Denmark. And so we headed, we headed for Denmark. And uh, for the next two hours, we were flying across Germany alone, and uh, although there was a fighter plane that uh, a, a P-51 pilot came on and said, we'll, we'll go with you guys as far as we can. And, and he was with us for maybe an hour, and then he said, Called and said, "Sorry, guys, I'm running out of gas. I got to head away. Good luck, good luck, you know, good luck." <laughs> so um, we just continued on, and uh, till we got uh, we got to the water, and we thought, "Well, somewhere uh, here, Sweden is across the water." And when we got we got there, um, at least once, uh, as we were flying across Germany. Every little town had an anti-aircraft, gun, <laughs> and, and they were, they were shooting us, <laughs> us the whole time. So I would, uh, I would say, anti-aircraft fire on the right, and then he go left, and then we go. So we were kind of, we were kind of just avoiding the towns as we were traveling across Germany, and and then at that time we threw out. We had, a, we had a light in the airplane to keep it in the air because we, we were continually losing altitude during this whole trip and, uh, because we only had two engines, and we were losing gasoline, and our engineer was standing knee-deep or uh, ankle-deep in gasoline, and he was stuffing everything he had into the, into the fuel lines. To block the gasoline. He was covered with gasoline. The plane was covered with gasoline. And so we knew we could we couldn't shoot our guns even if even if there was a I mean you couldn't you couldn't cause a spark. So we threw out everything. We threw out our guns. We threw out everything in a plane that was loose. We threw it out. To keep the plane in the air. And then we got a, a little farther down the line uh, Somebody called in and said, there's two German fighters, uh, down to the left, to the right. And they were probably 10,000 feet under us, but apparently they never saw us. <laughs> so, I mean, that was, that was the worst part of the mission, when you were flying and not knowing, you know, what the next minute was going to bring. But anyway, we got to Sweden. Um, we, we didn't know we were in Sweden. We, uh, there. There were no there were no maps in the airplane of that area beyond Germany. So we they were. You weren't guessing. supposed to
1: go to Sweden. Yeah,
0: but they, were, <laughs> they were. They were. <laughs> they were afraid that people they were going to fly to Sweden without a problem. You know? <laughs> so anyway, um, we got over the the, the Swedish coast, and the uh, pilot said the gas tank's show empty, and we're going to crash land in the nearest field. And so he picked out the field, and um, uh, as you know, um, we can't have a turret in, the, in our, in our uh, we can't have a parachute in our turrets, so uh, I took my parachute. Um, we, we carried a pack, and I took my, he said, uh, you go into a ditching, uh, your ditching position. My ditching position on the airplane was in the waist of the plane. So, I had to carry my chute. I had to take my chute and I stopped and I talked to the pilot and I said, How's it going? You know. He said, Well, I think we'll, we'll, we'll be okay. We'll, we're going to land. And then he said, Get back to the waist. So, I went back to the waist and left my parachute behind his, his chair. And so um, I went back and we, we ditched. And a few minutes later, all the engines quit. He was down to maybe 2 3000 feet and he had picked out the field and all the engines quit and all the guys started bailing out and i didn't have a parachute so i, I had a race from the back of the plane to the front of the plane through the open bomb bay bomb bay cuz uh, the radio operator and, uh, and the engineer were bailing out there so i I ran through there. I, I don't think I touched anything. <laughs> I went right, right through the middle of that. And as the pilot was the pilot was bailing out, he came was coming down to bail out, and I he told me to go, and I said, I no, don't shoot. And he remembered this man saved my life. He remembered that the radio operator had a parachute. He reached back, grabbed this parachute pack snapped it on me and pushed me out (laughs) and I was all in one motion and uh, as I was falling um, I learned that the the heated suit glove that we wore didn't fit into the parachute uh, handle and so I tried two or three times and then I grabbed my glove and pulled it off and pulled the parachute and I swung once and landed in a big pine tree. So uh, that um, the pilot bailed out about the same time, and uh, he he was so unsure where we were that he hid out for 24 hours. Uh, he hid out in barnyards and he slept in haystacks, and uh, while well, everybody in the country was looking for him, in the meantime, they took us. Uh, uh, the, the home guards in Sweden uh, were all called out, like, you know, to, and, and they came with their guns, you know, and they're all gathering us up, you know, and marching us down the road. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a funny picture because here's a bunch of American flyers following with these. They're, it was farm country. These were just farm kids, you know. They're out there with their guns and they're following us. And there's a 100 kids behind us, traipsing behind (laughs) on the whole parade. And they're laughing and having the best time. That's when we figured we're in a a friendly country anyway. So we wondered why. And then when I got to the hotel they took us to, I I found out that the entire seat of my pants was torn out. And that's, of course, what they were giggling about. (laughs) So so from there, uh, they took us to. they took us to uh, a, a place um, uh, where they we de- they de- debriefed us, you know, put us all through the uh, questions about what happened, and then we were sent to a place in uh, a place called Ratvik, which, to our delight, we found out was a, was a, a tourist um, a ski resort in in, in Northern Sweden and um excuse um, the war that's, is still uh, on that's where I'll stop because this is what Frank could Now it's time for it's time for Frank. Okay, because yeah. here's a guy here's a guy that was back at the base had no idea what happened to me. And you tell your story. Well well I had an idea. I had an idea that you were
1: shot off. Hey anyway, <laughs> I have I was losing. Yeah, it was uh, they called me at the radio star, and they told me that they were hit. They had two engines, and they didn't know where they were, and all things. So, uh, I, I, uh, I didn't, uh, uh, I, I didn't know where he was. So, I, I'm, I'm going to the, uh, everybody I know. So. I they listed him as missing in action, and uh, I didn't I didn't have any idea whether he was dead or alive. So uh, I went to the chaplain and whatever. They, they didn't know anything. So uh, for two weeks uh, I I didn't know what So I wrote my mother. And I told her that he's missing in action. I don't. uh, I lied. I says I think he's all right. Oh well, I didn't lie. As it turned out, but I thought I wasn't gonna. So, uh, uh, I wrote her a letter and told her he was missing in action. And that took a week. And then another week, I got back a letter. And she says, oh, I got a telegram the next morning that he was tur- returned in, in uh, Sweden. So, oh, I don't know. I had some great days of my life, but that was the greatest day of my whole life. <laughs> uh, but uh, I don't know, I can't top what he's been through, but I could try. Uh, I, I was an uh, armament company, uh, armament man. I was in charge of the bombs I I pulled the fuses before we dropped them and bad part of it is you had to get it out if it didn't go off. So every once in a while I had to go out on an open bomb bay 20,000 feet below walk out and I usually had a screwdriver because the shackles were just holding the bombs, and it, and what happened was, happened. We were taking off in, in solid fog all the time, and they'd, every once in a while, they, they, ice would get in there, and they wouldn't go off. Usually, uh, the first couple times I did it, I just kicked it or, or, or used a screwdriver, and it popped off, and then you drop them. But one time. Uh, I had a 2,000-pound bomb that hung up, and I went out there. And when you go out there, you have to put out a. a, a, You had to change. You had to disconnect. Remember, you're you're you got all this equipment, electrical suit, the whole thing. You got to unplug everything.
0: A mask, uh, oxygen mask.
1: And uh, uh, so I had to. get an oxygen bottle. Usually they're only good for about five minutes because you need oxygen. You're out. at 22,000. So I'm walking on a, a little bit of walkway, eight inches wide, and I'm trying to hang on to the braces here. There's a 200 mile an hour wind coming up through the bomb bay. And what it does, it, it freezes your eyes, it, it, the, the wetness of the eyes, it, the witness. So if if you're out there a few minutes, it isn't so bad. But one time, I went out there with a 2,000-pound bomb, and uh, uh, it uh, it I I tried as long as I could, and then I had to come back, make sure I had X ox- <laughs> oxygen, and I could get it out, and then. Uh, uh, I says uh, I told the pilot I don't, uh, I don't know what's the matter it just won't go out, so he says well eventually we finished the mission we coming down over France I mean coming down over our own lines and he says you sure that bomb's going to stay out as far as I know because if 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 that bomb if we couldn't get that out we all we couldn't land with it. We'd have to bail out, all of it, all of us would have had to bail out. So I says, I don't know, I can't do it. So as we come down over France, we got down to about 10,000 feet, and we just started to go over the channel, and all of a sudden that bomb let loose. Uh, and when you're when you're not tied, if you're tied down like he is, I wasn't tied down because I was always a waste cutter. I stood for nine hours, every mission, at an open window, and so it, it was very serious. So uh, he, uh, uh, the, I hit the ceiling, and I looked down, and the Bob bay doors were float. We had the bombay bay doors, but. We were floating.
0: You took the whole And,
1: off. and it, we were just <laughs> the entering bomb the went chat. Loose in the we were just heading, and I'm seeing uh, some kind of destroyer. It was British destroyer or American destroyer, I don't know. And I'm looking at that bomb, and it looks like a direct hit. <laughs> I thought, oh, is that going to be a court martial? <laughs> 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 it was, just, it was, uh, and as it was, this bomb. Hit right in front of it I could see the boat go through the spray, so it was that close so it was uh, so I I was having a few troubles too well uh, a, I had a couple close calls I can you know I tell these story but I can't beat him but <laughs> no yeah uh, I actually uh, was standing. I was uh, standing uh, And flak came through the airplane. Well, when 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 this stuff comes through the airplane, it uh, it's all garbage. You know, they throw there's wires and screws and and everything. That's what they put in the shell. So I'm standing there, and a piece of metal came through, and it, it hit me in the butt. (laughs) <laughs> and it was red hot and I started jumping around uh, 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 because it was hot and the, the, the guy on the opposite side we were looking he thought I flipped or something <laughs> so he was going to control me so he I don't know what he was saying but uh, he he got me on the ground and uh, I, I was trying to tell him but we had pulled out everything. You've got to talk through everything, but we we had no way of communicating in the 30, first place. It's 30 degrees below zero. Uh, you've got a mascot. You, you, there's no way. And I'm trying to get them off of me. I'm, but uh, I uh, all I got is a sore. P- so uh, so I'm laying there, and then I'm getting cold. Uh, you know, finally, well. That's understandable. I thought I pulled the plug out of my suit, but as it turned out, uh, what saved me uh, was this piece of metal went hit by the wiring on my suit, and it slowed it just enough to burn my butt. But it wasn't. It was uh, so. I was very lucky, so when we come down, we get, I did. So I'm laying there and I'm getting cold, and I I saw a lot of cowboy pictures. So when, it, when a guy gets shot and he doesn't die and he's he dying, cold. he gets cold. So I'm looking. Oh man, I had no way of checking uh, what was wrong with me. So I'm laying there and it getting colder and colder. So finally, when I get down. The, well, the,
0: the planes, uh, the planes who have wounded, go in first. They're allowed to land first. Yeah. So his plane got to land first. So,
1: so we got, you know, here I'm thinking I'm a, I don't know what kind of shape I'm in. So I'm going in, and so they take my clothes off to the, the hospital, and uh, uh, they say, well, what's your problem? And I am pointed, at it at the, so they take my shorts off and the they started laughing. Here <laughs> was it was just a red spot the size of a dime. And after all that worrying, I mean, no the, purple heart for you. Yeah, sure. right. <laughs> and, but but I had a real serious one. <clears> I uh, during, when, when we we're flying over the target uh, the, next to my window, there's a chute that. You notice Christmas tree trencil with it wrapped in paper? Well, that's that's what we throw out over the target to keep the radar, you know, it sh- shakes up to wear it. So I've got a box of this stuff in, in, right next to me. So I'm, this one day I put, I'm doing it out to shoot and I moved, I went down to pick up a pack, a couple packages, and I heard a, like a, it sounded like a tearing sound, and uh, I, I said, "Whoa, oh, I wonder what that is. So I, I rose up, and where I stand was, when I, before, I was, it was aluminum, but I looked, and I was looking at blue sky, <laughs> and here I, what apparently was a 20 millimeter shell, went right through, and I, I stood there, and I couldn't ha- comprehend what, uh, what I was seeing. I just couldn't believe it, and I, I stood. I must have stood there for three, four minutes as I was so sad. But I didn't get it didn't worry me till I looked out the other side and there was another big hole. Then I realized what really happened. And my legs start shaking and, and I said, Why why am I so afraid it's supposed to be over? But uh so uh you know, I had my interest And he too. had
0: thirty two missions. Yeah,
1: like well, that. yeah, and that's uh uh so uh, when I come back, I had I had a few both uh, I had uh, like a nervous exhaustion. After after you do that a while, you're like uh, a zombie more or less. You function, but uh, uh, it wasn't bad. So I but I wasn't that bad in those days. They didn't uh, like now they, take t- when, you, when you have a mental problem or, or some kind of problem, they take you to the hospital but in those days they didn't. So I got by uh, you know uh, I, I could function but I wasn't. It, I think it took me about two years to heal up from that before I, I was really you know, but I, uh, I, I was lucky uh, you know i was so lucky I, I, I think
0: was, the unique thing about us being brothers, um, if you think about it, um, when, when we flew missions, uh, there were always planes that didn't come back. And so at the end of the day, uh, the whole, whole staff of the airport was there to watch the planes come back. You know, they, they come flying in, and then uh, the, guys who, uh, the guys who maintain the planes, they're assigned to one plane. That's their plane. And they're looking for their plane to come back, and so the, uh, everybody's standing around and waiting for the plane. And there's always one or two that don't come back. You know, now it, uh, that's bad enough when you know you're a mechanic and you lose your plane. I mean, that's they they think of it as their plane. But when a brother can be on one of those planes, I mean that.
1: Well, see, our now our plane. The, uh, we had a plane called Brine, the Briny Marlin, and we flew that most of the time. Uh, <laughs> once in a while, it got shot out of the thir- 31 missions I had. We probably flew 24 on that, and uh, uh, I understand, we inherited that from another crew. Uh, before. So uh, we we finished our, we, a, we call it a lucky airplane, and I understand it was one of the few B-24s that flew back to the States for, that was the original one at, at the because most of them got too shot up, they just junk them. And uh, so uh, <laughs> you can't, <laughs> It's almost sound like a fairy tale, is not it? But uh, it's, a, it's a true story.
0: Any other questions? Okay, uh, okay. Actually, I think that's
1: pretty good. Got a good, a good stories as far there. as I just
0: want to add that, uh, the, uh, um, uh, just for posterity, that the Swedes treated us very well uh, at that time of the war. Um, of course, being judicious, the, the Swedes had no army. No army at all. I mean, they, so what could they do against Germany except what be neutral? Um, so in the beginning of the war, w- w- when they captured, uh, when they ca- when Americans or Germans came into the country, when when the Germans were winning, then they locked up the Americans and let the Germans run free. But when the Americans start winning, then they locked up the Germans. So I mean, you couldn't have you couldn't have both of them running free in the country. So fortunately, we 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 got shot down, and then they would they would trade they would trade so many Germans for so many Americans. You know, so on a one to one basis. Fortunately, we got shot down towards the end of the war, and the Germans were somewhere else. We never saw a German. In, but in general, the, the, the Swedes, uh, in my opinion, they did all they could to keep from their people, their women being raped and killed.
1: Well, see, now, when he came back, they treated him like they do the prisoners of war. He, he got the best thing. Uh, I was still flying. He got sent to Miami Beach to heal up. <laughs> and, uh, So I, 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 I gave, I gave him a hard time because he had skis, no underwear, and I, I was, I had 31 missions. We flew, when well, the war was when the, in the Europe was over. We flew our airplane at 500 feet, all the way from, uh, Norwich, to the Azores, to Newfoundland, to Connecticut. When we landed in Connecticut, we got a, a furlough, thirty pay. He got he got a ninety furlough when he come back from Sweden. That, I mean, if you is that ironic? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, uh, I, uh, I we got I we I did the thirty days and we got Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Now this was in august 1945 and uh while i was there i i got a notice from the government uh you are report to seattle washington port of embarkation and then three days later the bomb went off that stopped that so he was off free I would have been an of he camp- had four <laughs> more
0: missions to do yeah
1: <laughs> no, I, because I didn't finish the, my thing they treated me as a guy that just walked in <laughs> <laughs> well guys it's been brilliant listening to your stories and uh thanks for you know, oh okay okay. Okay. Nice <laughs> Thank you. okay okay Believe it or not, that's all true stories.